also recording a backup here. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to GCP on a Saturday afternoon, a very hot one. And I'm joined by the one and only. He has been called a bland Simon Mayo in the past. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kieran Lafort. Hello, Kieran. Hello, how are you? I'm not too bad. Um, I just listened to the recent episode of uh, Must See Matches and heard you say that, so I thought, oh, I'll get that one in. <laughs> yeah, that was for a movie show I used to do. I was yeah, like a budget Simon Mayo or something. I can't remember what they called my co-host on that. I'm sure it was equally as complimentary. I don't know. A, a, a second-rate Mark Kermode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'd love to be called that. I'm sure he'd love to have Mark Kermode's hair. <laughs> I think anyone would. How, how you been anyway since we last chatted, Kieran? Uh, not bad. Uh, I seem to have started a burgeoning podcasting empire by mistake, uh, and I'm currently just sort of sweltering in the heat uh, with my windows open. I can smell next door's barbecue. You'll probably get to hear trains, uh, Spanish children from downstairs. And uh, I'm waiting. That sounds like I keep them in my basement. That's not what I mean. My downstairs <laughs> neighbour is Spanish and has a bunch of kids that make noise in the garden. Uh, no, and uh, no, shortly no, before no, we started, <laughs> <laughs> shortly before we started, someone started doing DIY outside. So I would rather have all of that noise and be cool than sweat my balls off in silence. I guess. <laughs> yeah, mind you, we've recorded podcasts in pot world. Yeah, things. I was going to say, like this, this, this is a show that usually emanates from a noisy pub. That's yeah. probably the. Uh, the 1413 from Streatham Station you can hear pulling out as well in the background. Nice nice to hear that they're running. The bastards aren't running next weekend. <laughs> no, they're not. Well, no. Me, me and Jeff are going to watch Green Day, uh, Green mm. Day, Fallout Boy and Weezer at the uh, West Ham Stadium. Oh, I think I know someone else who's going to that. Yeah, so we're, we're getting a train down there on Friday. But mm. the journey back on Saturday, no trains. It's a four and a half hour mega bus. Oh no! Not even National Express. Not even National Express. How long does it take to walk? Have you had a look? Fucking hell! With with our bloody arthritic knees, <laughs> a good couple of day, mate. Fuck me! I went to last weekend. I went to Cheltenham, and when I was looking at how long it was going to take on the train, I had the wrong thing selected on Google Maps, and I was like thirty-five hours, and realised I had uh, walking uh, selected instead of public transport. <laughs> Anyway, um, Kieran, what, what have you got there? Oh, uh, I have uh, an Aldi special. It's called an Alska uh, Blueberry and Lime Cider. Ooh. Allegedly, it's vegan friendly, but I don't care. It tastes nice. I think I've had that before. It's, it's, it's pretty nice. It's left over from a barbecue I went to about three weeks ago. There's, that, there's this one here and there's another one left in my fridge. And I thought, yeah, GCP is always the perfect time to uh, bust out a bottle of something. Well, it's usually, I'm usually on Pepsi Max on this show, aren't I? Oh, you are. Well, yeah. I'm actually on beer, ginger beer. Oh, I was going to say that looks very clear for beer. Yeah, um, I'm, I bought like a quid, bo a quid bottle from the uh, corner mm -hmm. shop around, around near me, so I'm working on that. I've had a couple of like, energy drinks yesterday. Mm -hmm. Just try and lay off the beer for, uh, for a week. Oh. Says, says, says me who's going later out this evening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably, probably see... Um, Chris and Jeff in Manchester. Yeah, they're not going to do a run-in like they did last time I was on this show, are they? 
Oh no! Only Jeff's got the link. He, he decided to watch an hour of this ROH show, and like last time, he's just like, ah, bugger it. But anyway, mm. um, just a couple of things before we get into um, ROH mm. fifth year festival from Liverpool Olympia in two thousand and seven. Couple of things. Mm. Um, Kieran has somehow watched this uh, match: Lash Legend versus Myla Grace. Yeah, I did. I watched it just before uh, we hit record here. And um, I think the kindest thing I can say about it is it had no business being on television. I don't think anybody executed anything properly. You can see Legend. They were talking on the commentary about how she has an experience advantage. Not true. Uh, Both, uh, uh, according to Cage Match, both wrestlers have had 18 matches. And at this point, this was uh, Myla Grace's 17th and Lash Legends ninth or 10th. Yeah. And I mean, like, you don't expect it to be someone's 10th match to be good, but it shouldn't be on TV. No. They've had they've also had two months to edit this, so this was recorded on April 21st, and it aired on uh, June 16th. Yeah, so this and, is the last week of the taping. Yeah, and the editor did try. Like, you can see the edits, but no, I don't, nothing could have saved this just like Myla Grace is like she can't strike she tried to do some flying stuff that she can't do um nobody hurt anybody else I think is probably the best thing you can say about this but like this I mean you can tape this but you don't have to air it this could have just like sat in the vault and never gone on tv AEW have taped stuff for dark and elevation that's never been aired and I mean I don't know if it's because it was bad or because you know they've tried to stop doing two-hour episodes of Dark Elevation, but, yeah, you don't have to air it. What, what do you think of that, <clears throat> that manoeuvre, what Lash Legend does, where she gets the opponent in between the ropes and just, like, hits them up and down in, like, a, like a cross-body position? I mean, it's not good, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she has many, many athletic skills. I don't think any of them are related to pro wrestling. Was it- Is she a basketball player? Yes, she was, and also like um, a runner as well. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure she's a great athlete, but like that doesn't necessarily translate to being a great wrestler. It's an entirely no. different skill set. No, there's another wrestler who were on NXT UK this week who's uh, Gable Stevenson's brother, Damon oh, yeah. Kemp. Yeah, he's fucking dreadful. <laughs> yeah, he, but at least he wants to do this, whereas Gable's decided yeah. he's had enough and he's going back to. He's figured out that the fake stuff is harder than the real stuff. Yeah, he's. I know it's like an amateur wrestler, like proper background mm. and everything, but this side is a total different kettle of fish. Yeah, um, but like he's how many matches has he had? Like three, four? Um, I think he'd be up to about ten now. Let's ask. Uh, let's ask the German site that knows all. But yeah, don't no, type, don't type it, Martin Kemp. Oh no, <laughs> Damon Kemp, not Roman Kemp. Uh, he's had 13 matches. 13 matches, yeah. Yeah. And, like, you know, at that point, having, yeah, he had his first match in December. And at that point, like, you can't expect people to be good immediately. Like, anybody who is, is like, is a phenomenon, you know? Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, Junakiyama. Um, think of the guys that, I mean, you, I don't know if you've seen them or not, like, uh, some of the, the Dragon Gate, uh, Youngsters are yeah. amazing for their level of experience. Like uh, Masaki Mochizuki's son debuted, and like he's clearly like he couldn't quite put his feet in the right place, and he had to be all like pointed in the right direction a few times. But like 
he's clearly, I mean, obviously, given who his dad is, but like he's he's ready for pro wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, some some people take to it. Some people don't. I I can't fucking say anything. I'm the least athletic yeah. person. You've I've ever had seen. I had one day's training uh, in my early twenties, and I decided it hurt too much, and I couldn't be bothered to go back again. It was where's uh, that? Uh, where's that hard cam? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go and set it up. There you go. <laughs> that's that's see that's much more my skills in the world of wrestling. I'll go and set the cameras up. You guys do the wrestling. I'll make you look good. Um, away from that match, uh, just um, uh, as ever, the AEW catch-up. What's your quick thoughts at the moment, Kieran? Oh, my God. It's turned into TNA. Like, the, 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 the shows are only saved by the performers, by good wrestling. The booking is <laughs> shocking. Nothing has any time to sink in. And I think the worst example of that was, uh, like, Jericho uh, fireballing Eddie Kingston. Like, if... Uh, if it was real, that should have stopped the show. You don't then immediately cut to an interview with somebody else and then go on to the next match. Like, that should stop the show. Like, Tony Schiavone should be super concerned, let's say, for Eddie Kingston's uh, health and welfare. Or at least it's a story as a journalist. So he grabs a cameraman and goes backstage and goes to see how Eddie is and covers him getting in the ambulance. And it should become a big deal throughout the show. No, instead, they just show a replay from a different angle where you can see it missed him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Plus, Eddie it's, Kingston should have been off telly for about six weeks, shouldn't it? Yeah, he was off for a week or two. He came back with a load of makeup uh, to make it look like he'd been burnt. Then he was back the next week without the makeup. And then the third week, he came back with slightly less makeup than the first week. Yeah. I remember when I uh, burnt my uh, shoulder when I was younger. Mm. My da dad pulled, uh, poured a load of tea over me by accident. Ended up going to Rochdale Infirmary. Mm. And I had like five weeks off primary school, so I sold I sold my injury better than Kingston <laughs> in AEW. Yeah, getting burned hurts in any way. Like you know, even if you just singe your finger on on a saucepan or whatever, you know, it it hurts. Like you'll 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 see it for a while, but yeah, it's not. I mean, I mean, even away from that, like this forbidden door is an absolute mess. Mm. Um, and it's come at exactly the wrong time for them as well. It's something they've got to kind of squeeze in between like four weeks after a, a, another pay-per-view. Uh, and even that pay-per-view wasn't as good as previous ones. I think, I think that anarchy match saved it. Uh, I thought so overall, I think we would, we as a fandom in general would have thought it was better if we hadn't been completely spoiled by the last three, four, five, six AEW pay-per-views, including, like, essentially two of the best pay-per-views that there have ever been. Yeah. Um, like, there there wasn't really anything actively bad on it that I remember, but, like, yeah, the anarchy in the arena match was certainly the highlight. Um, and it just felt messy going, like, the stories aren't connecting anymore. Tony Khan's doing too much. Like, he he has to delegate. He shouldn't be thinking about Fulham and the Jaguars and Ring of Honor, and this relationship with New Japan. He shouldn't be the CEO and the chairman and the head booker all at once. Like, those three things are three jobs within wrestling. Mm. And then he also has his other jobs outside of wrestling. Like, you can bleep this if you want, but, like, he's got to get his nose off the mirror, and he's got to – he needs to delegate. He needs to hire people. Like, he needs to hire a Ring of Honor booker. 
Like yeah. he can be like the funnel it all goes through. He can be the Vince McMahon, and that, you know, that's another Chris story. Dan- Chris, Chris Daniels, you yes. go Exactly. That was my first my thought when he bought it. it. Was like brilliant. That's a job for Christopher Daniels. Christopher Daniels is a smart man. He's not just a good wrestler. He's a clever guy who understands wrestling. He's been doing it for twenty five years, thirty years, whatever it is. Yeah. Like he 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 would be. I think he would be a great booker for that product. And he's been like he went through Ring of Honor. He was there at the start. Um, and he can take sort of like creative direction from Tony, but like the the details should be somebody else's. And even with AEW, like Tony can say, okay, this is the direction I want to go in. These are the people I want to push. And then it's up to somebody else to do that, to do that pushing. Yeah. Um, um, what else were the, it's like the stuff that in, well, with the Desperado and Archer stuff this week, and they're not even in that six that man. Six man was so badly announced. Yeah. Like so, uh, in a in a group chat I'm in, somebody made a typo and called it a six mam match, and I was like, it might well be six mams, like given how badly it was announced on TV. Perhaps it's everybody's mother having a fight. I don't know. <laughs> be a good match that the six mam way. But what sense does Minoru Suzuki teaming up with the Jericho Appreciation Society make? Like his character doesn't fit with them at all. No. Find somebody whose character does, somebody who appreciates Jericho, you know, to fit in with the gimmick. Um, Shota Umino is clearly there to take the fall at the end. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a mess. The only, I mean, it depends how on he is. The only good thing we appear to be getting out of it is uh, Wednesday is Jericho and Archer against Hiroshi Tanahashi and John Moxley. Yeah. Which I think, it, like, name-wise, that's a big match. That would be that would be the main event of a New Japan show for sure. It, it, make, it makes you think if, uh, like, Punk were injured, then mm. that Moxley would have been in the six-man instead. Yeah, I don't know what. Uh, uh, I mean, we could go for an hour on the title situation. Yeah. What a mess! They couldn't have made that any more complicated. And it's like all of that is signs to me that Khan is overwhelmed as a booker. He's just like uh, he comes up with an idea, just like a mad idea. Nobody will talk him down off it, and he'll just he'll run with it. And it's like it's such a mess. Like you don't have to have you don't have to have an interim title to start with. And isn't it a better story that? The massive babyface who's worked for six months to get his title ha- loses it, has has to be stripped of it two weeks later through no fault of his own, through injury, and then has to fight to get it back rather than, oh, no, he's just going to hang on to it while he's injured and they'll fight over a, a fake one they got off AEW shop. And then, then you have Paige and Wardlow basically an interview saying, I'm not fighting for yeah, that. Yeah, right. That, fight. God, that battle royal annoyed the shit out of me. There were the ways, right, so that should have been full of top guys who wanted to be the champion. It should have been full of former champions. That should have had Jericho in it. That should have had Hangman in it as the last champion for sure. Um, It should have had Brian Danielson in it. And you can do all the young guys, but if they're then going to go on to fight Moxley, doesn't it make, what the fuck did Kyle O'Reilly win it? If they're going to go on to fight Moxley, it should have been somebody young you want to get over who will look good in defeat to Moxley. I mean, they've done it with Dante Martin. They've done it with Yuta Wheeler. Utah, is that Utah? Wheeler Utah? Wheeler um, Utah. Yeah, they've got Kanosuke Takeshita banging around in that yeah. most at the moment. He's fucking awesome. He's an amazing wrestler. How about if he'd have won that and got the rub for uh, losing narrowly losing to Boxing in the main event? What if Eddie Kingston had won? What if Moxley's best friend had won? Yeah. And he's like, oh, partner, I've got to take you down because it means I'm going to win the world title. Yeah, I can't. You know, I know we're friends, but I can't give up this opportunity. I've off the top of my head, I've come up with two better stories than Kyle O'Reilly winning. Yeah. 
I am seething with rage. <laughs> no, <laughs> and, and only also, partially full of cider. And also, one thing was that bloody 20 on one match this week. We won. Oh, my God. It, it just reminded me of, uh, and me and Wilson will talk about this on the WCW. Yeah, um, that was WCW. Kevin, Kevin Nash versus the New Blood. Scott mm. Steiner versus the New Blood in the space mm. of two weeks. It felt like the one on 20 match. Yeah. No, they were, half of them didn't get pinned. They were face up, face down. It was like fucking Kamala was trying to wrestle them. Like, it was... <laughs> <laughs> you remember when he couldn't pin, he didn't know how yeah, to pin yeah, people. Yeah. yeah. It was so bad. They botched Wardlow massively. So, like, Wardlow versus MJF is my story of the year, my feud of the year. Mm. Everything they did with that was perfect from yeah. start to finish. And then... Like the idea of Mark Sterling suing Wardlow is funny, but it's not the thing you do with the hot young thing. You, I mean, he's not that young; he's thirty something. But like, he's young like, in wrestling. Yeah, serves, he shouldn't it? be. He shouldn't be in that. He should be Goldberging the shit out of people every week. He needs to destroy Scorpio's guy. That match should not go more than sixty seconds. Mm. Clothesline, four power bombs, pin. That's it. That's your TNT champion. And now everybody's got to try and topple that monster. Yeah. There you go from a head booker of AEW. Kieran. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I might I might DM Tony and see if uh, see if he wants to give me a job. I'm, a very, job. I'm very employable, Tony. I can uh, tell your director to calm the fuck down as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, anyway, let's get into a uh, Ring of Honor 50th yeah. festival. Fifteen years ago. This uh, this show. It's, yeah, March uh, third, two thousand and seven, right? Yes. Yeah, so once we got the correct date right. Yeah. <laughs> Billy, Billy. <laughs> yeah. Everything's off by a day, and I was like, I frantically DM'd Andy yesterday, it, like as I was sitting down to watch the show. Have I got the right one? What match does it start with? Because I didn't want to end up watching the wrong. We could have talked about two shows at once. Like you talk yeah. about the one you'd watch, and I will talk about the one I watched. But we have both watched the same show. The meet in the middle. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, this took place at the Liverpool Olympia. So it's a mm. year, like near enough a year after the Unified Show, like the great, the great show of all mm. uh, in the UK. Um, this return was actually two nights. It was um, Samoa Joe's supposed last two matches in Ring of Honor. He probably had another one after this, <laughs> uh, knowing wrestling. But yeah, uh, what I wanted to ask Kieran about was uh, well. Kieran, mm-hmm. I don't think you've ever seen this show, and it's actually a show that you've not filmed. I'd never heard of it. Never heard uh, of I it. Mean, I mean, I, it's Ring of Honor in Liverpool. I'm sure I'm here because Benno's busy. Like, that's this seems oh, no. much more his thing than me. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, no, never seen it. Uh, never heard of it. Um, didn't work it. I was going to go through Cage Match because I was working in re- British wrestling at this point. So I was going to go through Cage Bash and see what I would have been doing around this time, but this wasn't. So the um, uh, the camera work wasn't handled by the company I worked for. Right. Uh, it, it was Ring of Honor in house. I could tell by the camera guys at ringside and the and the equipment they were using. Um, so no, but I, I I might have known it was going on, but I wasn't there. Never seen it before. Never heard of it. A total mystery to me. Were you ever into Ring of Honor? Uh, more towards the beginning. Uh, so the first few tapes I got, because 
you would hear things like, oh, you've got to see this Loki versus Chris Daniels match. Oh, this AJ Styles guy is amazing, that kind of thing. So I got, yeah. I had the first few tapes. And then when they started doing the, um, they had a TV show. Was it the HDNet TV show? It was. With the, with the Slap the Porpoise guy? I think that was quite later on that. Yeah, so there was a big gap in the middle. And I've been aware of stuff that's going on, but I've never been super into Ring of Honor. Yeah. We call this foreshadowing. Like yeah, I don't, right. uh, uh, I'm not familiar with this product at this point at all. I probably well, would have watched some on the wrestling channel, but that was gone by this point as well. To, to be honest, this this would have been my era of Ring of Honor. So mm. I, I, I was one of those. I got like all the DVDs from the start. Well, copied DVDs from the wrestling shop in Manchester. <laughs> oh, oh, Mike, I love how you're admitting to your piracy. Oh yeah, Mike, who used to run um, HXC Wrestling, he also ran the wrestling shop in Manchester. Mm. Uh, used to always go there at, every month, drop mm. about 25 quid, give us your DVDs, and then uh, start watching them all. Mm. Um, I think I, I think probably I ended when, might have been like the Jim Cornette era, like generic mm. Osteen, or that just wasn't just wasn't into that stuff. Similar mm. to I think like Benno said in the past, so. Mm. We both fell off at the same same time with Ring mm. of Honor. But I, I generally I fucking really love Ring of Honor as an alternative because WWE at, the, at like 2006 time, oh fucking. Oh, I had to. Uh, so one of the one of the podcasts I do is must see matches, and I had to watch some early 2007 WWE for one of the shows. So we did John Cena versus Umaga, Last Man Standing. Ah, yeah. And that January Raw, good God, it's terrible. Like Cena is the world champion and loses four of his five TV matches on the way well, in. Kevin Federline. Kevin Federline and Jonathan Coachman gets a two count on him. Yeah. In a match. What the hell were they doing? Uh on the Samoa Joe note, uh the the day after this show we're talking about today, that was his last match in Ring of Honor until twenty second of November two thousand and eight. Hmm. And then he didn't come back to Ring of Honor until March twenty fifteen. Yeah, so. so they were close enough as good as their word. Yeah, I think that 2015 one was maybe when he was... Because he did over here a couple of times. Um, he had a match at PCW against Dave Mastiff. It was when... Yeah, he showed NXT, up at Pro... He, uh, uh, oh, he was in TNA, wasn't he? Oh, no, no, this was the point where he'd just gone into NXT, but NXT weren't really using hmm. him. So it, they'd allowed That's him right. a match at PCW and... Yeah, he he for about three weeks had a special deal where he was still allowed to do indies, uh, yeah. and then they went. Ah, actually, no, you're not. Yeah, yeah. I, rem- I remember. I think it ended up with uh, a double DQ, the Mastiff and Samoa Joe match. Mm. It impressed the crowd mm. were happy, but I got a bottle <laughs> with it. Um, so with the venue, the Liverpool Olympia. Mm. Lovely, lovely venue. Absolutely. Couldn't tell from this lighting. <laughs> oh, no, you couldn't. Absolutely couldn't. But an absolute shithole of an area in in, uh, in Liverpool. Yeah, I've only been there for King of Europe. Oh, the Grafton. Yes, that, that lovely uh, that lovely venue next door. Um, I don't remember much about the area, it must be said. Uh, but I, I've never been back, which must say something. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've only been back once um, to Liverpool Olympia. That was for the NXT UK mm. tape in there. Mm. That's the last, last time when we went. And yeah, just I get in Bruce. and get out. <laughs> get in and get out, Kieran. Yeah. Uh, were you at this show? Yes, I mm. was. 
Uh, me, Jeff, and uh, our mate at the time, Jamie Johnson, were up mm-hmm. in the uh, the balcony. We'd mm-hmm. all gone to a uh, unified, so this was like our return to mm-hmm. uh, a Ring of Honor show. Paid the cheap seats. Um, cheap seats can be but, the best seats. Yeah, no. To be honest, the bal- the balcony was like a perfect view. Um, it's a great venue for wrestling. The, the, the part of the problem, so part of the problem when it comes to filming it is most of the crowd is on one side. So it's yeah. got that it's got the Broxbourne problem where you have to put the hard cam basically above most of your most of your audience. Uh, but yeah. like as a live venue, it's great. There's there's very few bad seats in that building. I think like the bal- the balcony sitting mm. as well. Yeah, like even to the sides. I think one end was where like the commentators were. And yeah. Holy shit! Happened. I did not realize that King of Europe Cup was only. Six, seven weeks after this? Yeah, I think I might have seen the flyers for it. Oh my well. god. That seems that seems way too quick to come back to that same building with like I mean it's not the same lineup, but it's like the same it's the same caliber of wrestlers, right? It's like it's the same like high end indie guys. So uh McGuinness was on those shows. Yeah, because uh, he ended up Pac winning was on it, those shows. It? Yeah. Uh, Pack was on those shows. Matt Seidel was on those shows. Um, and I guess, like, you could... Davey Richards. So you could say, you know, oh, if you enjoyed these guys, they're going to be back here in just under two months. But, like, that seems an awfully quick turnaround to me. Mm. I, don't, I don't think they drew well, did they, them King of Europe shows? I remember reviewing them. Yeah. Um, I think it might have been more yourself. Yeah, I would, yeah. Yes, I directed those I shows. I remember, like, Nigel McGuinness and Rhino had a brawl in the... Um, like the balcony area and see Ben Corrigan there. Of course like, you can. As of course ever. you can. Big hands, big hat. <laughs> big hands. <laughs> yeah. Um, what were we going to say? Uh, yeah, so I was just going to say the pubs around the Olympia. Fucking not a chance. Yeah. Uh, our, Jeff, our, dro- our Jeff dropped uh, 25 quid in one of the fruit machines there and it was like a gunshot going off. <laughs> <laughs> Did he give him anything back? I, no, no. Oh. What's it? Dogs wear sandals in them bloody uh, fucking pubs. Uh, <laughs> dreadful. Um. So, so the actual tape and and mm-hmm. the video on Billy Billy opens up with um. Holy shit! Rod- yeah, lot of shit. Rod- Roderick Strong promo with his FIP title. Ring of Honor show starts with a shot of the FIP title. How it, fucking low rank can you get? FIP was Gabe Sapolsky's vanity project that never drew more than 300 people in Florida. Yeah, I put here it's the Gordon Riggs Garden Center title. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's where all the shows were, weren't it? Where were they? I don't remember. I don't, I've never seen one. I've heard, I, I think I've seen, I don't know if it's either FIP or like, it might have been Evolve where they've got like fucking palm trees in the background <laughs> and Alan Titchmarsh in the corner digging a up. A bloke haggling over the price of a lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's, it looks so low rent and like this, right, I'm going to get out of the way now. This show is really badly shot it, and some of the editing is terrible. Um, it's dark. It's, like there's bits where the cameras just randomly and rapidly switch angles for no reason. Um, yeah, it's very poor. And you open on a shot of a belt that's got nothing to do with this company. Um, and then Roderick Strong doing, going, I'm not kidding. He went, 
ha ha. Like he can't even laugh convincingly. Count one count. Yeah. Yeah. One FIP title. Ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh. Um <laughs> a terrible fake laugh, crummy promo. Uh his promos are not really his strong point, I don't think. Never been. Yeah. Um we then cut to some crap music that doesn't match the video it's playing over. And then that abruptly cuts off as we cut to Jimmy Jacobs in somebody's cellar moaning about his flight. Yeah, it looked like the back room of the Cavern Club saying he had a shit <laughs> flight next to a fat lad. Oh, on, yeah. On I was half <laughs> expecting the, ca- the camera to pan over to reveal like a bog and a sink and a mirror. Like It looks like he was in, a, in a, the, the toilets of a shit pub. Uh, perhaps did they shot this in the Grafton. <laughs> might, might have done. But then again, the toilets in the Liverpool Olympia were some of the darkest toilets I've been in. <laughs> were they? I don't remember. Well, like the, ups- the upstairs, a couple of times I'd struggled to find the actual bloody... <laughs> that fucking light thing as long as you're only struggling to find the light switch and not struggling to find the bowl it's alright <laughs> good good job I ate many carrots around the time for night vision yeah <laughs> these promos last about three and a half minutes and honestly I thought it was about 15 and then the first person you see in the ring is Steve Linsky making this whole thing much, so much better <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, I was thinking was it his ring it must have been his ring I don't know it looked like uh, it looked like to me, the Future Shock gym ring, which would have come from Manchester. Alex Shane. Alex Shane's one, yeah. Um, i trying to because this had square posts, and I'm trying to remember if that one had square posts or round posts. Like, honestly, I haven't seen it in 15 years. I haven't yeah. knowingly seen it in over 15 years. Um, yeah. I was fine. So, you know, it's a good ring. Yeah. Does its, does um, its job. Shall we, shall we get into match number one anyway? This is, this is a good opener, I think. Um, David Richards versus Homicide with Julius Smokes, mm-hmm. uh, the um, manager at the time. Bobby Cruz, ring announcer. As you said, Steve Linsky, referee. You couldn't uh, tell it was Bobby Cruz, ring announcing. It no, sounded, it it sounded like, like a distorted Dave Prezak. I thought Not it, Dave uh, Prezak. Who's the... Um, that's what... <laughs> Imagine that, but massively distorted. Like The, the audio mix on this show is Fucking abysmal, right? The, me, the, me, Kieran, me like me, me like me note here was the sound mixing sounds terrible. Yeah, so yeah. the volume of my TV goes from one to one hundred. Um, yeah. The maximum I've ever had it at was forty-five, uh, and that was to to watch a match uh, like a Japanese match that was off an old tape, uh, and so the sounds really low. Generally, I usually have it around nine or ten. Yeah. This show was so loud, I had to have my volume on 4% to watch the whole show. It's unbelievably loud. And it's not even good loud. It, it's so, everything is so distorted. I started skipping entrances simply because the music hurt my ears so much. Utter, utter shit. Utter shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, homicide comes out uh, great theme tune uh, d- uh, here's people in the crowd doing the old um, Julius Smokes yeah 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 okay <laughs> I, again like, I don't know much about Julius Smokes I don't know I, I, I've never been a homicide guy he's actually still around Julius Smokes in, in, in MLW ah. yeah what, one of my notes is um 15 years later, probably a main event in MLW this, David Richards and Homicide. I won't. It might be. Won't put it past Court Bauer. Uh, Everybody can get a job with Court Bauer, apparently. Oh, maybe I should DM him. If I can't book book AEW, maybe I can book MLW. 
Well, he's looking for a podcast host. Is he? Maybe you, you and JP. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I did enjoy the cameraman sprinting around the ring to go and get Homicide's entrance. Like yeah. Usain Bolt with a with a camera in his hand. The um, commentary is Dave Prezak and Lenny Leonard. Uh, fun, funnily, it's great to hear a show without Dean A.S. on, I thought. Bloody hell. <laughs> We've reviewed every show and it's at least had Dean A.S. on. I mean, they, they said their names at the beginning of the show, but as the show went on, I honestly couldn't didn't know which was which. No. Can't tell them apart. They have very like they have different pitches to their voices. One of them is slightly higher pitched than the other. If if they were in an audio lineup, I wouldn't be able to tell you who was who. Yeah. I, I was I was I was expecting a Night One, Liverpool. <laughs> Why did they do two nights in Liverpool? It's so weird, this. Make the most of the venue, innit? They must have yeah, got I guess cheap. so. Alex Shane must have got it cheap for him. <laughs> I have to say, I did keep an eye out for him when things spilled into the crowd. I kept an eye out for all of the usual suspects, to be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyway, this, this match, Kieran, mm. I think. I'm not a homicide guy. I'm not a Davy Richards guy. Like, this, this was just motion happening on my screen. Like yeah. I was, I was kind of too busy getting used to the crappy presentation. Um, there's a shot from the hard cam, like the hard cam doesn't match the ringside cameras, which is standard for independent wrestling. Everything on my screen was either black, white, red, or skin tone. There's no other colors <laughs> in this match. Um, and for most of the show, uh, I did like, so what I did like Richards is surprisingly fun as the comic foil. Like he seems like a guy who takes himself very seriously. Oh, he does. He and does. actually, for for King of Europe, I travelled up with him in the car, and he didn't say a word for the whole four hour journey. Just like slumped against the window, like sleeping or pretending to sleep. Well, we had Nigel in the car as well, and he was great. He was loads of fun. Yeah. Um, and so, and that would have been the first I ever saw of Davy Richards. But like here, he's kind of like uh, quite fun. Uh, where like homicide gets an armbar on and smokes is yelling at it's like break it man break it man and uh uh Richard is going don't break it man please don't break it man uh and he's like he puts um uh he puts homicide's bandana on and struts around like doing an impression of him we get aloha davy when he's in a sunset flip yeah like, he's quite, when he's being when he's being a bit of a comedian he's actually quite good at I- it I always remember the spot he used to do a few years ago where he'd start shagging a, turn, a turnbuckle. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, like as a super sexy Davy Richards or something. I don't remember That's that a, at all. It was when he was um, fucking hell tag teaming with Michael Elgin. Okay. In PCW for a match. I knew it would be a PCW thing. Yeah. I knew it. And, uh, no, it's supposedly done it on the indies like once or twice, starting like shagging the top rope. Hmm. I uh, I very much enjoyed the size of the raises on Homicide's boots. He looked like he bought them from the corrective section of Clark's. They were so big. He's not a big guy. No, no, is no. Is he? No. Um, I mean, I guess it was fine. Uh, the crowd went nuts at the prospect of a cop killer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I think when he actually hits it, like it's quite muted. If he'd have hit it that first time around, like for some reason, because it's like because it's Ring of Honor, they had to go a bit too long. Um, and so he gets Davy up for the cop killer and the crowd goes nuts. Uh, and Davy escapes it, but he then gets hit with three amigos and a frog splash and then the cop killer. And I think if they'd just done the first one, that would have been the peak and that would have been 
that would. I mean, he gets a huge block anyway, but like, I think it would have been better just on the first one. Yeah, because uh, like at the time, it's like bloody one of the most dangerous maneuvers going. I think only Ulrich and Elms did it, and the vertebraker. Yeah, the vertebraker. Yeah. And uh, so it was invented by a uh, Japanese women's wrestler, Megumi Kudo. Uh, it's not called the Kudo driver. It's called something else. But yeah, that was her finisher in Japan, which is where all of the uh, all of these Americans stole it from. What well, one thing I did take from the match was uh, the lariat by Homicide. But you know, when they said, "Oh, he won the Ring of Honor title with this lariat," mm. it's slowest lariat I've ever <laughs> Perhaps he won the title slowly then. Well, it was Austin Aries. He had to mm. probably get low, very low down for that. Yeah. Lariat. Even Homicide had to be on his knees to lariat him. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, as Kieran said, Homicide actually won this match with the uh, the Eddie special, mm. uh, the uh, three amigos, a frog splash, a cop killer, and a partridge in a pear tree to get the, <laughs> uh, three and a quarter. I probably went on this. It was solid, but yeah, I went three. Fine open. Like there's nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't. It just wasn't exciting to me because like I'm I'm not a particularly a fan of either guy, and they didn't do anything to get me out of my seat at all. Yeah. Match number two now. Now it's a women's match. Match mm-hmm. number two. 15 years ahead of its time, but being second on the card before progress ever did it. <laughs> um, Sarah Del Rey versus Alison Danger. Now, I put one of my notes here is that like, women's matches, I think, had only just became a thing in like the last year of Ring of Honor at this time. It, mm-hmm. it was just like one match at a time and it was maybe four women, which was Sarah Del Rey, Alison Danger, Lacey, and Daisy A's. And yeah. just, it's just like a round robin of matches between the four. And, well, over here, so this is the era of Dan Reed, Dan Reed promoting chick fight shows in the UK. Aye. And I worked two or three of those. Uh, I had a, a really fun road trip with Daisy and uh, Daisy Hayes and Lacey to one of them. Yeah. Um, and so, so it was people like... Um, uh, Alison Danger came over, um, Lacey Daisy Hayes. Uh, Mischief was over a lot. Cheerleader Melissa was over a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they were mixing in the British girls with them as well. Uh, oh, and people like... Um, Soraya would have been going then, wouldn't she? Soraya. Yeah, yeah. We tried not to book her, though. Um, uh, who else? Um, Vesna, uh, Blue Nikita. Vez, Vesna, bloody hell, I've seen her wrestle. Yeah. Oh, she, she used she to be pop- good. Proper, uh, I don't know what she like, is now. Proper like ladies darts team champion. <laughs> uh, she's lovely though. Uh, she like she's really nice and like a proper. I uh, right. This is probably going to sound worse than I mean it, but I will say it anyway. The best thing about Vesna was bear in mind this was 2007, and what women were presented were on WWE TV. The best thing about Vesna was she wrestled like a man. Yeah, like she wrestled properly there is no way you would ever get vesna in a in a bra and panties match or anything like that like oh, she wrestled properly and was good at it you won't fuck with vesna she no. she, she looks like the saw to a 40 40 a day cigarette habit and fucking <laughs> <knackers> off. <laughs> but i will say again she was very nice um yeah so it, it wasn't that i don't know if sarah del rey ever did any of those shows but like I'm sure I worked two or three shows with Alison Danger on. Yeah. She would have been over with Carino, I guess, wasn't it? Yeah. So the funny thing, I mean, I was going to touch on this later when they do a promo. If you didn't know she was Carino's sister, as soon as she talks, you can tell. Yeah. 
And not because they have the same voice, but they have the same inflection. Like they very clearly have studied the same people when it comes to promos. Uh, and they're like, you'll just, you'll just, there'll just be a look on her face. So it's like, oh, I can just imagine like a bad dye job and load of blade scars on top of that to turn <laughs> her into Steve Carino. <laughs> She's also married uh, to Ares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of uh, Swiss Money Holdings, or what used to be Swiss Money Holdings. Yeah. Or but, was uh, married to him. I think they split up. I don't know. Not sure. Not they sure. either are or aren't married. Uh, delete as appropriate. Uh, nowadays, I don't get into the relationships of no. uh, wrestlers on this podcast. Uh, no, I don't want to be cancelled again. Let's um, not. So, Sarah Del Rey, um, she ended up being the main, uh, like one of the main trainers, mm. performance centre. But I'm sure there was a uh, like a story that she was told that she was too old to perform for them. I uh, think it wouldn't it surprise been, me. It might have been around the Johnny Ace era. Uh, his first era of being head of talent relations. Well, he's having a great week, isn't he? Oh, yes. Just imagine all the rest of the stuff that's going to come out about Vince and Johnny Ace. Yeah. This is the tip of an iceberg. Oh, the shit is it in the proverbial fan. And I love it. I was really disappointed that the story about uh, Kevin Dunn being investigated for insider trading is uh, wasn't true. I would love this. I would love this to take down that ship. <laughs> yeah, and like Stephanie's taking over. Yeah, happy days. It's a yeah. change. Any anyway, this mm. match. What do you think? It's fine. I mean, it's wrestling. It's it's proper wrestling. Uh, the crowd don't get super excited by it, but it's not like they're they're not booing it. They're not telling them to get out of the ring. I think somebody in the crowd did say someone something sexist because it was a very loud "shut the fuck up" chant. Yes. At one point, uh, which is good. Like that kind of stuff should be shut down. Um, uh, Danger's got some nice offense. Like she does a spinning neck breaker that ends up over the, over her knee, which looked really nice. Uh, and her finish, she finishes it uh, with, it's, it's a rear naked choke, but it's a cravat hold around the head rather than a sleeper style hold. And that's yeah. pretty cool as well. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is uh, much like the opener. This is just a fine, competent, good wrestling match. Yeah, uh, one of my notes here. Solid match, which I thought the crowd were appreciative of. Yeah. They they weren't bored. Like, there was a, a, a point here, like, a similar filler match at Unified, which was Robbie Brookside and Chad Collier. And you, did, <laughs> Sorry. you could hear the footsteps going to the toilet that night. What a <laughs> fucking ball that was. This also didn't now stay as welcome. It's only about eight minutes. Like, it's just a fine, a, a fine match. And, yeah, if I wanted a... A solid, competent women's wrestling match, like Alison Danger and Sarah Del Rey, are the two people I would call. Yeah, they probably they could. The I, the, the, they, they, they're the kind of wrestlers that they could turn it up should the occasion require. So if they put in the main event, I don't think they would have done this match. But yeah. the second match on the card, like this, is a perfectly good second match on the card. Yeah, I remember Brookside Collier being before. Briscoes versus Aries and Strong, and obviously the Nigel and Brian match. Yeah. So, it, as a come down match, it's yeah. a big point. But yeah. It's a a come down match to comatose. Uh, yeah. More, more yeah. like it. And then we but very yeah. suddenly cut backstage to the Briscoes babbling about their tag title. <laughs> yeah. We just won this. <laughs> yeah. The editing on this show is terrible. Nobody fades down any audio. If ever you cut to something else or somewhere else in the building, it just, it's an like a very harsh cutoff and they do this over and over and over and it as an editor it fucking killed me <laughs> do, do they work for AEW I don't know <laughs> 
problem. Oh, do you remember when all the entrances in AEW towards the beginning they would never fade down anyone's music? They would just cut the next theme straight yeah. in. Terrible, terrible practice. Anyway, third match now tag team action. This is a yeah. uh, Jimmy uh, the Jimmies. Jacob's yeah, but sadly not. But sadly not Genki Horiguchi and his crew from Dragon Gate. They're the better Jimmies. <laughs> better Jimmies, yeah. Mm. Uh, versus uh, Colt Cabana and BJ Shitmer, or I mean well, Whitmer. Blowjob Shitmer, yeah. Blowjob Shitmer. <laughs> With um, the one and only Andy Q as referee. I noticed that too, yes. The referee standing around uselessly while they fight all over the building is Andy Corden. <laughs> um, bit of Barry Manilow singing by Colt. Um, mm-hmm. He uh, goes around the ring, nits Bobby Cruz's mic. I said it sounded like me after 10 pints. He's, uh, I don't think singing is one of uh, Colcabana's strong suits. No, they didn't teach that in the British style, did they? More like the club singing. <laughs> well, club well, style. Can, can you imagine if he'd come out singing like Vic Reeves? Um, Jimmy Rave didn't have any uh, have any bog roll chucked at him this time. They must have run out at the corner shot. Is this is this before or after the the bog roll? I think it's after uh, it's, because it's kind of died down now. It's, yeah. yeah. So like the unified one, he got absolutely showered with mm. bog roll. I remember taking a video of it on me Nokia thirty five ten at the time <laughs> and um, just howling with laughter at mm. it. So funny, and then the ma- then the bell went ding against uh, Davy Richards. Mm. Were were a great match, um, but yeah, bum rush start by the Jimmys to start off, and then the uh, fight goes to the balcony. Uh, yeah, I kept my eyes open for you and Jeff and Ben and everybody else. Didn't see you. Nah. So um, I got flashbacks Jeff- to Rhino going off it at King of Europe. Yeah. But BJ actually threatens to um, send um, Jimmy Rave over, but the, I think the balcony spots the next night with BJ Whitmer and um, Jimmy Jacobs. Yeah, they do. A, don't they do a false count anywhere match the next night? They do. Yeah. They do yes, which is I think is a, a great false count anywhere match as well. Mm. But um, Kieran, what what did we think of this matchup? Again, it's another fine match. Like it's nothing special, but at least it's a different style. So you've had like the the modern indie style opener. Um, you've had uh, the women doing solid standard professional wrestling, and then this one is a brawl. This one's just a a, a barely contained fight between two teams. Uh, yeah. Uh, what happen? What happens in it? Uh, they fight all over the place for about ten minutes beforehand. It seems uh, there's a picture in picture of Jimmy Jacobs nicking the bell, and he clonks BJ with it as he runs the ropes to get the heat. Uh, Whitmer takes a fairly generic beating for quite a long time. He and does, think, yeah. He's just building to the hot tag to Yeah, uh, but he doesn't court, like he's he, he hadn't been to the Ricky Steamboat uh school of taking a beating, which is every two or three moves you get hit with, come back with one to show the crowd you're still alive. He just yeah. gets beaten on and beaten on. And then eventually uh he has an exploder on Jimmy Rave as he's running the ropes and gets the tag. Uh I wrote Colt makes a comeback doing Colt things. Which yeah, means the flip flop and fly and the the flying asshole and all of that kind of thing. Yeah, I said the hot tag to Big Daddy. Oh, I mean Colt Caban. Yeah, he tries to get the easy easy chant going, didn't he? That the crowd were quite hot. receptive, which shocks yeah. me for a smart British crowd. Maybe that Alan Cheapshot was leading it. Might, that might have been at the same time as when fucking Soccer AM were doing all the easy easy stuff and mm. 
shit shit like that. So yeah, was of its time. Mm. Um, I was surprised the heels got a clean win. Oh yeah, it were really. Particularly as they were setting up for something for something the next night. Um, like it's 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 smartly done. So Rave runs Cabana into a post uh, on the outside to take him out of it as BJ and Jacobs are fighting on the top rope. And then Jacobs hits the super contra code, uh, also known as slice bread number two or Shiranoi, uh, and gets the pin. And like, again, it's just a match, but it's a different style of match to the other two matches. You're going to hear this a lot on the show. I should have told you before we started, this was very average (laughs) to me as an outsider. Um, I I wish this was a video podcast. You should have seen the grumpy Muppet face he just pulled then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, to be honest, I thought thought out of the first three matches, this was maybe the best one up to to press. Uh, Yeah, probably. But like, uh, to me, we're we're still talking like quarter stars. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Three and a quarter again for me. Um, Yeah, maybe. I wonder where you you lie on the fourth match because... Having been there in 2007, and I know my memory's not as good as it used to be, but mm. I couldn't remember this fucking match for life of me. A two out of three falls match between Delirious and Matt Seidel. Like, did this happen? Apparently, they had some big feud going on. Like, they were not necessarily a feud, but they always, like, found themselves, apparently, according to the commentators, as, like, the last two in the Battle Royal, or they would be the, the finals of a tournament would be these two. Those perennial career rivals, exactly. Delirious yeah, and Matt Seidel. Yeah, oh, but it's a shame they didn't have a rivalry over Delirious's booking pen. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that wouldn't come till later. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't think of Delirious as having a rivalry with somebody like he's he's a comedy guy. He's a it's it's a weird spot. Yeah. Um, Obviously the bell the bell rings and then Delirious goes while just shouting sweet nothings done it. He um he's interesting. Um the the fun of Delirious is seeing him live and being able to hear him because yeah. what's funny is he does his blah, 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 blah stuff, but in the middle of that he will throw in English. Yeah. Which is what's funny. Um he doesn't work as well on video, particularly with commentary over the top. Like he says something in this that makes everybody crack up and you can't hear it properly because of the comments. I think, um, like, so Seidel is playing a heel, which is weird to me because he's Mm. such a natural baby face. He is. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's got this more cocky side to him and what have you. Yeah. So there's a bit where they go for a lockup and Seidel backs out of it and he goes to the ref. He was going to kick me and the referee's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Kicks illegal. And I think, Delirious then points at Seidel and goes, "He's got a razor." <laughs> but like you can't, you can't hear it properly because of the commentary and stuff. Um, uh, Mike Seidel is open the Brave Gate champion at this point, and part of the belt is falling off. Yeah, I was so, trying to work out which which title it was. There's, yeah, it's usually one with the um, the keys on the front. In yeah, that so that's open the Dream Gate. That's the top. That's like the World Heavyweight title. Right. Brave Gate is kind of like their intercontinental title. It's for it's got a weight limit, uh, and this particular belt I think came out of a tournament where all eight guys going into the tournament were given a piece of the belt, and when you won a match, you took the piece off the you took the piece off the loser, and so the winner got all eight pieces, and then they constructed the belt. And I think that was the first time they showed it to the crowd 
the right. first, like the reveal of that design was when it had been it completed after the final. <laughs> yeah, and you could actually you could actually hear Seidel. Seidel sounded like he was wearing a microphone. He was so loud in this match. You can hear him talking all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, you can hear him say, oh, I lost a piece just before they start. Um, he's always been a fantastic work, worker. Like, his poise and balance and timing are so incredible. And he does some stuff in this match that I'd never seen before. Yeah. Um, yeah what's it? Well, he does that triple corner clothesline. I think he does that quite often, though, doesn't he? I don't know. I don't remember. He did it. Oh, yeah, that thing. And he, the, no, the, I originally wrote that when he did, he does an arm drag variation I've never seen anybody do before. Yeah. Like bouncing out of the corner. I will also never understand how he does his standing moonsault. So everybody else who does it is like basically like a smooth flip over. He goes straight up, does the flip, and then comes down like it's a three-part move. But nobody else does it. And he does his um, his cannonball leg drop as well, where he jumps yeah. up, tucks his knees in, and then like he's gonna like he's gonna bomb a swimming pool, and then comes out into a leg drop. Never seen anybody else do it. There's um. It's a bit, well, he he, win, he ends up winning like the first four four with a low blow. To yeah, we say all of this, and he's the way he wins the first four by kicking Delirious in the bollocks and rolling him into a small package. Yeah, yeah, and then it, it, a bit more heelish side as he rips mm. off uh, one of Delirious's tassels and then ends up like choking him. Full mm. sight to the referee. You think fucking yeah. else? Did he do that? <laughs> the crowd don't buy him as a heel, though. I don't think. No, absolutely. they're not. They're not interested in booing him. He's, yeah, um, he's not. He's not good at being a heel. There's one bit here. Yes, when you're saying about the crowd, though, there were some kids in the in the crowd giving Sidel grief, and the ROH bots shoot them down, but with the old "pass your bedtime." Uh, chant. Oh, really? I could. I didn't hear that. But, That's funny. The, the "pass your bedtime" chant was a running thing from the year before at Unified, where they're okay. all on the balcony hmm. during the uh, Aries and Strong versus Briscoes match, and they won't shut up. And they were giving that <laughs> your bedtime. <laughs> um, I'm not saying he's a great wrestler, but it's easy to forget how athletic Delirious was. Hmm. And also what great shape he's in. Like, he's got a hell of a physique. And I yeah. always forget, like, because you're thinking about the comedy and you're thinking about him being a lunatic in a mask. Like, I don't know how good a wrestler he is, but he's a good athlete and he looks the part. Um. Oh, I wrote that after he after the second fall, so we should probably talk about him winning the second fall. <laughs> yeah, so no, he actually won the uh, the second fall with the uh, Cobra stretch, and I said, mm. "Fucking hell, it's like NXT UK." This I uh, was uh, yeah, it was one of my notes. This is going to end in Andy's favourite score. <laughs> two one to yeah. the Matt Seidel. <laughs> um, so yeah, Seidel does the reverse leg DDT to um, Delirious, um, misses the shooting star press, and then. Uh, Sidel actually ri- tries. To, uh, he actually wriggles out the Cobra stretch um, mm. by Delirious. Lots of pin reversals, and the crowd that, like are really into that. Yeah, the crowd got into that. There's also uh, Delirious has a move called Chemical Imbalance too. Holy shit! Someone who's good and isn't going to injure people needs to steal that as a finish. The Chemical Imbalance. What? Yeah. What, what name? Yeah, it's uh, I can't describe it. It's it's like a it's like a, sh- a short range Michinoku driver. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, I ca- I can't describe how it starts or how it finishes, but it lo- the crowd pop for it. It looks painful. Um, and yeah, somebody should somebody trustworthy should steal it. Yeah. 
Um, so it ends up with the uh, moonsault belly to belly mm-hmm. uh, by Sidell off the top mm. uh, to win. Two falls to one. Indeed. And it's the UK wins. Mm. Three and a half, best match so far to me. Yeah, I probably went about three and a half on it. Mm. It's bloody long. It's like 23 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, God, I'm not I'm not set up for this. 23 minutes of uh, Seidel and Delirious. But, nah, it was eventually good in the yeah, end. Yeah, it was fine. It was absolutely fine. Again, a lot of this show was absolutely fine. Like, it's a perfectly competent wrestling show in the yeah. ring. Like, camera work is another matter entirely. But, yeah, between the ropes, it's perfectly competent. Yeah. Match number five now uh, for the... Um, Gordon Riggs Garden Centre title, the FIP belt, trying to make it into a world title. Mm-hmm. Don't know what fucking world. <laughs> uh, it was um, the champion Roderick Strong versus the one and only Pack. Mm. Now, baby Pack and ba- baby Roddy. They look so young. Oh, ba- baby Roddy. You, it, yeah, you shitty, much shitty little booties. Here, <laughs> much thicker here than yeah. he's cracking, obviously cracking shape now. Yeah. Um, this Pac was, was twenty in this match. What twenty Pac year old? Was Pac. Twenty, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, I don't know how old Roderick Strong was. Fucking hell, he's only thirty-five now, Pack. Yeah, he's been wrestling for a long time. Uh, let me have a look. Uh, but, but, but holy shit, I share a birthday with Roderick Strong. Uh, he was twenty-four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, not even that. Twenty-three. So he, yeah, Strong's twenty-three, and Pack is twenty. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Still got a lot of bloody time in him, aren't they? Mm. I do love that Roderick Strong in real life is just a bloke called Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the first time ever seen Pac this as well for, uh, oh, for yeah? me. Um, Pac as well, lo and behold, at the start of the show, was sat... The roll behind us at the back of the balcony taking in the action. Was he? Yes. Hmm. Uh, and then, because I'd never seen Pac, like, when, when, when he turned up in ring, I was like, oh, that fucking bloke sat at back of <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Strong should have challenged was, somebody for the crowd. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I was amazed at, at this stage. Mm. I'm like, who's this fella? I'd never heard of him. Hmm. I had, so he had appeared on, I was working for RQW at this point and he'd appeared on RQW shows. Yeah. Uh, he was in the final of the tournament for the belt. Uh, he was, uh, yeah. And he'd done some of the, the shit TV tapings. Uh, I'm trying to think if I'd, I can't remember if I'd worked one PW shows. He was on, so yeah, I'd seen him a few times. But I'm going to say probably doing one PW and mm, he was all over. He was all, yeah. One PW, IPW, BCW in Scotland, WXW. Uh, he was uh, even before this, like in the the dying days of that era of the FWA. He was around, so he was kind of like going all over the place, getting all the experience he could. FWA yeah. Academy. Um, yeah, he was uh, he was getting around. He was this this was the point where he was really starting to make a name for himself. And at this point, he had been wrestling slightly less than three years. Crazy, yeah. isn't it? I know he's just. I love watching. I I mean, I love watching Pack in general, but Young Pack is amazing because he's like this. He's this unpolished diamond. He's this undeniable talent that you yeah. know, like he has the skills to make it big. But he's just this this sort of shy bloke with a funny accent, and then yeah. that changed greatly. And now, like, 
I said this this era was prime Ross Noble era, weren't it? Yeah. <laughs> Athletic Ross Noble. Um yeah, so wearing some very generic baby blue uh well, the Stop. funny thing was, so this isn't Stop. tremendous quality because this is clearly ripped from the DVD. Yeah. And um, the his baby blue shorts start to ride up a bit, exposing his white boxers underneath. And yeah. it looks like he's wearing ripped denim shorts. Yeah. Who is that man shouting outside my window? Shut up. I'm talking about wrestling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so there was something going into this that didn't make any sense to me. Roderick yeah. Strong is the FIP champion, and we're told it can change hands. There's 20 count on the floor, and it can change hands by DQ or count out. Yeah. The commentators then say that Roderick Strong, who is a heel, won that title and then insisted on adding those rules. So a heel who is more likely to get disqualified for cheating has added the rule where he could lose his title when he gets disqualified. Well, and Gabe Sapolsky is a booking genius, is he? <laughs> Daft in it, yeah, doesn't make any sense. Um, Roddy's a much better heel than Matt Sidal is, but like he's not, he was shit at that promo, but like he's much better at being an annoying little prick. I think, I think Roddy Strong's he's always been good. Oh, yeah, I used to it's go to when he would well, he not a few... the might the stuff, but as a, as a hand, he's. Yeah. Really yeah, I know. I mean, I know some people who don't like him at all, but like when I would go to, um, he would show up a few times when I was a progress regular, and like he was always great there. Yeah. Um, no, I don't have any problem with Roderick Strong at all. Um, so uh, with, uh, it's like with this match, uh, when Roddy's getting a bit cocky, mm. um, Pack um, goes for a moonsault, and then this is uh, this this all painful like roddy just like catches him drops him on the guardrail and then proceeds to then lift him up and just fling him into the ring post yeah so th- this was one of those this this spot was like you i don't know i've seen bigger people catch smaller people worse than strong court pack here they're probably mm-hmm. about the same roughly the same size i would say yeah. like the same height um uh strong's a bit thicker i was either expecting him to go down or do like a sloppy catch where pack almost hits the floor but like he's really sort of got hold of nope caught him perfectly solidly like it, someone could have thrown a small child to him like yeah. uh and then as you said like he gives him like this helicopter spin into the guardrail that he takes chest first and top of the right yeah and that just fucking him into the ring post like yeah, it wasn't like, so he had him so- in like that kind of position that cross body position you see a lot where people then run someone into the post and he just stopped short and threw him good god yeah um fucking hell what what else was uh, that that strong drops pack on the apron mm. um what, what yeah was- it, was, it was really funny seeing such a strong reaction for what was essentially a back suplex on the apron and i think yeah. i saw two of those on rampage today like yeah yeah it's all <laughs> nowadays in it yeah uh, but yeah, people went mad for it here. The, it was like once Pack like gets on top, um, it's just corkscrew plancher off the top. Well, that's where Roddy were outside, like fucking wild. And that's when Ring of Honor would do like the multiple replays. Just... That was the only move on this whole show that got a replay. Yeah, it's spectacular. And there's things like Pack's comebacks are fantastic. He's so dynamic. I love one of the things I love is. Um, uh he has a particular way of flipping like doing uh, head springs corner to corner 
Like that yeah. always looks cool and gets a good reaction. He does a twisting hurricane run out of the corner that I didn't see coming. And that's unreal. Um, yeah, this this corkscrew thing to the floor. Um, he does a he does a his uh, he goes for his twisting shooting stars become the black arrow. But when yeah. he comes down doing this one, he's facing the opposite direction. Yeah, no idea how he managed that. Again, like he's just this crazy gymnast and crazy athlete. Uh, fucking hell! What else do we have? The bloody moon salt sent on by Pat, but Roddy gets to the rope. Sonic yeah. DDT. Mm. 450. Yeah. Uh, but sadly, reverse red arrow misses. Yeah. And it's the uh, Yakuza kick, ti- like a tiger bomb. T- tiger uh, driver, yeah. Tiger driver by Roddy to get the win. I went four stars on this. I thought it was fucking excellent. Yeah. So, so did I. G- given the experience level of, say, like a pack at this. Yeah. This I don't know when, uh, I don't know how long strong. So we said pack was, he was like three weeks away from his third anniversary in wrestling. Um, Going to have a look. Uh, oh, Roderick Strong starts in 2000. So he'd been going for seven years at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like they had really good chemistry together. One of the things I loved about the finish was Pac missed this big flying roof, flying move. And Roddy was like, holy shit, this is my only chance. And that, uh, that kick and the tiger driver, he did them really quickly to make sure he could keep him down. And I yeah. love little details like that. Yeah, great chemistry, great great match. This was the first match I really enjoyed. This was the first match that was above good to me. Mm. Um, yeah, great stuff. Uh, and then uh, Delirious, of all people, runs out to make the save. Uh, yeah. Can you imagine a Geordie and Delirious having a chat? And the crowd are chanting, bring back Pack." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was yep. a thing, but I don't think he did much Ring of Honor after this, if I could um, remember. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, here I am on uh, on Yeoldy Cage match again. I don't think. Yeah, no, I don't think he did much after this. Like, um, uh, so he wrestled Matt Sydal the next night. Yeah, uh, he has a match uh, against Brian Danielson in august of that year and then the next night he had a match against davy richards he never he had four matches in ring of honor all in 2007 lost all of them yeah but like this is like the he had no reason beating those people at that point oh no absolutely not yeah this is uh this is this is pax coming out here this is uh you know him getting an opportunity and showing the world what he can do before he goes on to become a proper star yeah uh Speaking of things that won't make you a proper star, we hard cut to Jimmy Jacobs in his basement again, and he's yelling at a referee to go and find BJ Whitmer to come down for a fight. Come and fight me in the bogs. (laughs) (laughs) Rubbish. Intimidating. Um, Mm. So match number six now for the ROH World Tag Team titles. It's the Briscoes, the champions versus Shingo and Naruki. Doi. Doi. I think this was like Shingo's uh, Shingo and Doi's first time in the UK. I couldn't remember him being. Yeah, over- it probably it probably was. Uh, the Dragon Gate UK shows didn't start for a couple of years after this. They did in two thousand nine, weren't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think there was something in the story about Shingo had had a variety of partners, and he'd used some sort of clause in a contract uh, to get one last shot. So this was his last chance to to win the tag titles and right. he chose Naruki Doi as a partner. 
I'm yeah. trying to think if they were actually in the same faction in Dragon Gate at this point, because Western companies, when they brought in Dragon Gate guys, just had a habit of largely picking two guys at random with no sort of thought as to what was going on in Dragon Gate storylines at all. It was basically when um, I remember that Dragon Gate show where Gamma helped Seema, but they were in opposite yeah. like factions. Were yeah, they? yes. Um, so yeah, the, like the Briscoes had like one of the greatest tag matches ever the year before this at Unified uh, against the aforementioned Aries and uh, Roderick Strong, and uh, this was like the return to the um, scene of the crime. And yeah, I, I think this is another um, on the evening. That, that that when actually Shingo and Doi won the belts, I was fucking jumping out of my seat like, yay, title change. But mm. I think the thing is because I've not been to many shows at the time, so like seeing a title change was like a fucking big, like a big thing because mm. WWE would hardly do it. Yeah, only when house show business was down, they'd do the title change on a house show to try and get people. Yeah. Anything can happen on a house show. Anything can happen at a, a World Wrestling Entertainment live event. Uh, yeah. And they, yeah, they do title changes to sell tickets. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what did we think of this match, then, Kieran? This is the best match on the show. Yeah. And that's, but that might be my Dragon Gate bias showing. Like, I'm a huge fan of Shingo Takagi. I'm a huge fan of Naruki Doi. Um, yeah. There was only one thing I didn't like in this match. Was and... was it some weird split legged moonsault into a twisting leg drop by one of the Briscoes. I said, it's as indie as a move you could get. I fucking love that. I thought that was great. Um, <laughs> no. So uh, they, they beat down on Shingo for a while and he gets a hot tag to Naruki Doi, who then does a tope onto one of the Briscoes on the floor. Leaving yeah. Shingo with the other one who is not the legal man and somehow gets a two count and he then tags out to Doi again. I wondered that. Well, what are you Shingo, doing? Where did Shingo get the yeah, tag? It's like it's not yeah, he de- I watched it back. Like he doesn't he doesn't get tagged in again in the middle. Um and I know like the, the Dragon Gate rules of if your partner rolls to the floor, you can come in. But yeah. like that's not the rule set here. It doesn't make sense. And then there's a, like a minute where they just it looks like all hell is going to break loose and we're on the road to the finish. But then we kind of settle down into a tag match again for about another minute or 90 seconds. And yeah. then they do the hot tag and it goes into all the crazy double team stuff. And it's like, if you'd have cut that minute out, I would have slapped five stars on this. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the only yeah. thing that kind of takes it down. I think they might've got a bit lost and just like felt they had to do something to get back to where they wanted to be. Um, yeah. It's funny in the middle part of me, no, see, um, it's like a slow, a slowish like start sort of thing, a mm. funny middle. But once it gets all all action, it's fucking. It's excellent. once it gets, it's once it turns into the Dragon Gate style of yeah, just keep go, of go go go. Like so that uh, my note about your India's fuck move was the Briscoes do an insane double team where Jay has Shingo over his knee in a backbreaker, and Mark does. He jumps from the second. He, he's facing into the ring. And he jumps yeah. up, twists around into a split-legged moonsault, and then from that, twists into a leg drop. I watched that three times. I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, I've never seen the manoeuvre like that. I, and I've never seen it since. Um, Jay does a version of the blockbuster where he lands in the Rick Rude reverse neckbreaker. Yeah. Ow. But it looks great. Um, yeah. I tend to forget, yeah. like, how actually good the Briscoes are and oh, how good they've always been. Um, yeah, it's like 
I find their politics very difficult, let's say. That's that's the only thing that yes yeah. like, as it. if you just look at them in the ring they are so good like you just had pack in the last match right jay briscoe runs up to the top turnbuckle without using his hands and does a shooting star yeah. press to the floor holy shit <laughs> yeah he does a springboard frog splash that looks incredible um they do loads of amazing double teams. Like they, they break out total elimination. I'm not going to do the Joey Styles voice because total I can't. There we go. Uh, and they do, um, they do a move that uh, one of them has the guy up in the razor's edge and throws him, and the other one runs in and hits a neck breaker on the way down. Yeah. Awesome move. It's so good. Like all the, the whole double team. It's, it's about ten minutes of just chaos, and it's all brilliant. It's all like pretty much perfectly executed. Uh, and the crowd are going insane for it. Uh, yeah, yeah, they've got such great chemistry, these two teams. I think it was just on some of the near falls. It's just like, oh, fucking hell. That yeah, it. it's, one of, it's one of those matches that kind of just kind of keeps going. It, like, it probably went longer than it should have. Yeah. However, it was very well executed. And they do, the, the Briscoes during this did the thing that the Young Bucks do a lot, which is, they have a moment in the match where you really, really think it's over, but it's not. So yeah. I think it's uh, Shingo and Doi are going for a double team, and they manage to foil it and bundle Shingo out of the ring. And one of them, they I think it might even be a double team. They hit something that would Near finish. Yeah, they hit something that would normally finish a match on Doi, and yeah. he looks like he's spent, but he somehow kicks out of it. Yeah. And like that's people rag on the young bucks a lot but one of the things they do very well is they usually have a moment in their matches where it looks like they are not going to win like but somehow manage to pull it out yeah and that kind of thing always works like that kind of false finish always works uh, and they do they do that a lot in this yeah i i think this is great yeah um yeah i'd probably go about four and a half 4.75 on this one it's a Fucking yeah. belt and tactic. Yeah, I put I put four and a half on it. Uh, we should say how it ended. Like so, Shingo escapes uh, the cutthroat drive. I can't tell the Briscoes apart, particularly on four by three SD badly shot in the Liverpool Olympia. I had to, most of my notes were listening very carefully to the commentators to tell me which one it was. Yeah, because they both got the they're both bald here. They're both wearing the same thing. I can't tell who's got what tattoos. They're both missing the same amount of teeth. I don't know which <laughs> is which. Um, so Shingo gets out of the cutthroat driver and hits last falconry, which is the move now known as Last of the Dragon, and he wins. And uh, he is he and Shingo are the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Yeah, great match, really good. I don't think they were Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions for for, for that long. To be I honest, yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, at the, at the time, maybe a couple of moments, but mm, let me see. Ring of Honor Tag Team Champion, yet yeah, one on the third, lost on the 30th. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, not uh, tw 27 days. Um, that, that was in the two nights of the uh, fucking all star weekend or whatever it were uh, at the end of the month. So, after this, they show a video about the tag team title. Every event they show clips from is better lit than this one, including other shows in the same building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, when it's well lit, the, that venue. Oh yeah, it looks great. It looks venue. great. But this. But, but they did the AEW trick of just lighting up the first row. Yeah. Um, why was this not shown before the tag title match? What sense does it make to show this video after the tag title? No sense. Um, 
It does have clips of a Matt Seidel and Chris Daniels versus uh, Shingo and Shima match that I might have to find because that sounds great to me. Yeah. Very much my my thing. Excuse me. Right. Um, anyway, match number seven, the main event of this show, which was Samoa Joe coming out to, I'm going to knock you out. I couldn't tell. I skipped it because of the, the sound mix was so bad and it all hurt my ears. Yes, uh, versus the one and only Nigel McGuinness coming out to uh, Fucking in the Bushes oh. by Oasis. Cracking tune. Rochdale Football Club use that as their entrance theme. I will keep my opinions about Oasis quiet on this show. Let's carry on with the match. Okay. <laughs> uh, big ovation for Joe um, coming in. Obviously, Nigel in this building um, got a big egg on his head um, mm. the year before. So, But it, it was over like Rover to the crowd, but both wrestlers both them were. were in this. Yeah, both of them were. Samoa uh, Joe is like the big man on the totem pole in Ring of Honor. Like he's always going to be up there in, in the Ring of Honor fans' eyes. Uh, yeah. And then like Nigel in the UK can do no wrong. Yeah. And some great sideburns on um, Mr. Joe. Very much Elvis like. <laughs> he, he could have fitted in the flying Elvises in uh, TNA. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't see him doing a lot of flying, though. Maybe the elbow suicide, but... Not much flying now. Well, especially nowadays. Not, no. Not I did, one of my notes is, oh, this is back when Joe could still move. <laughs> yeah. Back, back when he... What color, what, what shade of red will he turn out to be? Oh, God. He looks like Shane McMahon now. Fucking... I remember, <laughs> I remember JP saying um, on Grapple the other week, like, what shade of a baboon's ass is he going <laughs> to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love that line. Mm. Uh, anyway, like in this match, we, like Joe on top early doors, and he swings Nigel head first into a guardrail, and as a put, Nigel as ever has an affinity with furniture in the Liverpool Olympia. Yeah, it's more head trauma. I'll be stunned if that man doesn't have porridge in his skull cavity. Like how he still has full motor function is beyond me. His brain should be mush. It's one of the reasons I don't like watching Nigel McGuinness matches. Because no. he's got no regard for his own head and doesn't seem to understand how fucking stupid it is. He just, he just, for the most part, comes across as an idiot to me. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure that's going to make me wildly popular with your audience, but it's dumb. It's fucking dumb. You just have even, that in the back of your head, don't you? Well, even like stuntmen on massive Hollywood productions protect their heads. Even if they can't have a helmet on for everyone, someone's going through a window, you'll see them put their arms up and protect their head. Nigel has no regard for his own head. Mm. And it's, it's like, I've had a concussion. They're not fun. They're not fun at all. And he doesn't care. Well, um, midway through the match, we have the old Nigel. We love you. We love you, Nigel. We do. Mm. Uh, chance. So this is when Nigel gets on top. We have a Tower of London by Nigel. And mm. then one of the, the big move of the match. This is uh, quite near the end, but fuck me, the muscle buster by Joel to Nigel on the apron. Why Nigel would you do that? Again. Why would you do that? Um, yeah, yeah, I wrote Nigel threatens a Tower of London to the floor, and for some stupid reason, they do a muscle buster on the apron. Uh, I did love that three referees came around and picked up a man who might have a concussion and or a broken neck. Brilliant training. Excellent. Well done. Fucking hell. Yeah. I, I, I vote they've improved first aid training down at Rev Pro since. I would hope so, yeah. 
But fuck me. This was might have been the one and only time I've seen this move on the apron. Good. Don't ever do it again. Yeah. Fuck. Chance of you killed Nigel. Mm. Um, as Nigel gets carried out doing the Mick Foley from King of the Ring 98. Yeah. Um, Samoa Joe actually wants a handshake and... Uh, so that's so what that- he was mumbling into the microphone. <laughs> well, not even that loud. Like, Joe talks... I mean, he shouts at the end, but for the most part, Joe talks quite quietly into the mic. Yeah. And I couldn't tell what he was on about. And then he yell. He calls it... I did get... Uh, Come back here, you British pussy. Yes. Yes. He did put that. Come here, bag puss. Yes. Like uh, come, calls him a British pussy, and I wrote, Nigel is only one of these things, so he goes back. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, he gets back in the ring. Nigel slaps him. Yeah. And then crowd just like go, hey, come on. Yep, and then they do a series of spots that don't look any good at all. They're all no. They've all got their feet in the wrong place. They're missing stuff. The strikes look uh, half-arsed. It's like this was a bad idea. Yeah, I mm. think Nigel, Nigel was was fucked. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Um, uh, Joe goes for another bu- muscle buster and a lariat, and the crowd explodes every time Nigel kicks out. Kicks out, yeah. Yeah, he kick, uh, they do a, a burning lariat where like where he holds him and like does the short range clothesline. Yeah. Kicks out one from that. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote, Nigel does his dumb headstand and rightfully gets drop kicked right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Nigel Nigel did that in the Danielson match where he's like, come on, and mm. then gets fucking beat. <laughs> Still never seen that match? Still never seen it. And I'm not going to watch it until we cover it on must-see matches. All oh, right. And that's at least a year until we get to it on the list because of how high up it was rated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in the end, Joe chokes out Nigel for the win. I did put good main event, but mm, 3.25. Yep, that's exactly where I meant. Like, So it's a hard-hitting back and forth, but there's no story. I mean, they yeah. do do the story of like Nigel gets hurt and he's carried out and comes back. Um, but like in terms of like a wrestling match structure and story, there isn't one. It's just them going backwards and forwards and hitting each other really hard. And it's not spectacular enough to be a spot fest. Yeah. Um, Nigel starts working on Joe's shoulder, and then that just doesn't matter after a while. Yeah, just goes like, away. Like to me, this was no better than the opening three matches. I'm sure no, that's going to make no. me massively popular. Um, no, you're probably right it, there. I didn't think it was great as a main event. No, no, and it's it's about the emotion in the building, and like people buying into that story of Nigel maybe being carried out and then coming back to fight more, but like. I could see that coming a mile off mm-hmm. and it just, it didn't interest me. Um, yeah. It's like this whole show, apart from that peak of pack versus Roddy and then the dragon gate guys against the Briscoes, you could have shown me any random wrestling show. It was, this is, this is the epitome of, yeah, it's fine. It was what it was to quote your brother. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was here, he, yeah. he, he would give that line. I, I, I tend to agree with uh, Kieran. Yeah. The tag match, probably one of the probably best match on the show. I imagine uh, that live was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Like, it comes so, off really well on tape, but uh, live, it would have been something else. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was loving it. Uh, the Pat Roddy strong match, great. Uh, the rest of them, 
three star specials to three yeah. and a half stars. Yeah. yeah. Best. But, sorry, I'm not sorry, I'm not more excited about it. No, no, no. Um it's it, it's always good back to good to um, go back to these shows. But mm. no, j- j- just the thing, um after the show, um me, Jeff and our mate Jamie wended up in Liverpool mm-hmm. and um our mate Jamie Hilverhood in the um, in the toilets. If there's any Manx in here tonight, we'll stab him. Oh, uh, yeah. were you on the on the next bus out of there, or uh... oh, we went we went we went straight back to the hotel. Not one good uh, good plan. In, Lennon, in Lennon's bar in uh, in Liverpool. So. <laughs> uh, we I we should finish off uh, the last thing. The last thing you see on this show is you go, we go back to Jimmy Jacobs in his shit little basement and he's taken all his clothes off apart from his trunks to fight BJ Whitmer who shows up and then they have a little scrap in the dark and it says to be continued what a thrilling way to end the show night to liverpool get your dvd <laughs> uh, apparently yeah so uh there you go folks yeah. and listeners kieran mm We've got half, uh, half an hour for your plugs, mate. <laughs> it's going to take half an hour. Um, so I uh, am one half of the burgeoning uh, Bucklefort pop- podcasting empire with my friend. Yeah, with my friend Mark Buckledy. Uh We do DD Teach every month. Uh, Mark, who is a longtime fan of DDT Pro Wrestling in Japan, teaches me something every month uh, about the company. Uh, we've done uh, profile episodes on people like Harashima and Tetsuya Endo and Konosuke Takeshita. We've done uh, a show on the championships of DDT. We did a show that was uh, three matches to watch if you want to get into DDT. Uh, And we put up an episode yesterday, which was our review of the multi-promotional Cyber Fight Festival, which has DDT, NOAA, TJPW, the women's promotion, and Gambare Pro on it. Yeah. And the fallout for DDT that came out of that show when good old Katsuhiko Nakajima slapped the champion of DDT and legit knocked him out in the ring, causing the match to end after just five minutes. Yeah. Yes. And all the fallout that has come from that. Uh, and next month, uh, we will do a show covering the entire King of DDT tournament, which will crown a new KOD champion for DDT. The other show I do is weekly. Uh, it is called Must See. Oh, if you're interested in uh, DD Teach, go to at DD Teach Pod on Twitter. You can follow it there. And in the bio is our link tree, linktr.ee slash DD Teach, uh, which will give you all the ways, all the various platforms you, you can subscribe to on. The other show is Must See Matches at Must See Matches on um, Twitter. Uh, and this was a project that Mark came up with where he canvassed Twitter to find out from fans what their matches you have to see are he got 1065 individual matches nominated uh and he went through and uh, tallied up all the nominations for each one made a nice big spreadsheet out of it i went hey if you'd like a hand i'm free i can give you a hand and i went through and i basically my job was to double check his work track down stuff that he couldn't find like basically make sure these matches existed figure out like if two people had had a series of matches like for example um somebody nominated abdullah the butcher versus tommy rich well they had lots of matches but none of them on the day that was suggested so i had to go and find the match like what you thought they meant and find out if this was the match they meant and that kind of thing like just shoring up all the data and making it Mm. making it solid We've made a podcast out of that. We have taken we want to do the top one hundred, but the maths don't work out. So we're doing the top one hundred and four. 
simply because like who are we to say that any four random matches we take from the bottom silo of the so we started with the ones that got four and a half percent or more four and a half percent of the vote uh who are we to say that any four of those don't have the same merit as the others in that in yeah. that bucket so and that works out if we do one a week that works out very handily exactly two years of podcasting yeah. So we're doing one a week uh, and we have a guest on every show. Uh, it's usually somebody uh, who has uh, somebody's just started a pneumatic drill outside my flat. Uh, it's usually somebody who nominated uh, the match we're talking about. And we asked why, why it went on their list and that kind of thing. Uh, so we did um, Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels. Uh, we've done Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Kosis from WCW Bash at the Beach with the guys from Days of Thunder, which was tons of fun. Volta versus Timothy Thatcher with um, Ian Hamilton. With Ian Hamilton, yep. Uh, and what is probably my favourite episode so far is due to drop on Monday, where we had Sarah Parkin of uh, Big Egg Podcasting Universe, who is an encyclopedia of knowledge about the golden age of Japanese women's wrestling. And yeah. she came to talk to us about Chigasa Nagayo versus Dump Matsumoto Hair versus Hair. And that is such a great show. I, the, that's my favorite episode so far. Uh, it's coming out on Monday, and everybody, I think, uh, should download and listen to that. Must See Matches on Twitter and uh, is linktr.ee slash must see matches. Oh, and if you want to follow me, I'm at Kieran Edits. I think that's everything. Does that feel half an hour? Yeah, yeah, near enough. Um, no, I listen to Must See Matches as well. It's, um, it's always a good for, the, a good, uh, for a bus ride. Uh, yeah, we, so the, uh, this one's gone slightly over. We want to make, we don't really want to go over an hour with any of them, but like, yeah, it was so interesting talking to Sarah. This one goes, it's an hour and four minutes. We went slightly over, uh, but it's a, it's a great show talking about, I can't even call it a great match. Like it's a great piece of drama. You have to take the entrances, the match and the post match as one whole like half hour presentation. Yeah. Uh, but it's incredible. And the next one we were recording next week, we are doing, um, the Eddie Guerrero versus JBL bloodbath. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, and we have our first wrestler on the show. We're going to get a wrestler's perspective. Shady Natras is going to come and talk to us about that match. Oh, really? Great yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. That's it. That's all of my shit. Um, great stuff, Kieran. Give all them a listen. The, uh, Kieran and uh, Mr. Buckle D are um, very good at podcasting, I will oh, say. Thank be- you very much. Be- better, better than the um, amateurs here on uh, GCP. Oh, no. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can follow us at GCP Podcast One on Twitter. Um, we've got coming up um, a review of Great Great American Bash 2000 uh, from WCW with uh, Mr. Wilson. I take great joy in every month you torturing Chris Wilson with more and more terrible WCW. And I love he, the disparity in your ratings as well. And you're like, I thought this was quite good. Three stars. And he's like, are you fucking kidding? Three quarters. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think this pay-per-view we're going to be the same because... It is shit. Is it? Is it? It's the next one with the all the Hogan and Russo shit, isn't next it? Back to the beach. Hogan. Yeah. Oh boy. This is the one with Goldberg turning. Oh god. <laughs> it's fucking bad. Uh, but yeah, now you can give that a listen, and uh, we'll have more show reviews coming up. I mean, we'll have to BWR at Cleefops, um and some Red Pro shows as well. So uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Cheers, Kieran. No worries. Great stuff. This has been a GCP podcast. Bye.
reach for the sky, boy.